This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hi, this is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast with my co-host Frank Santo Padre. Our guest this week is a producer, director, author, musician, composer, voiceover artist, a Tony-nominated and Emmy-nominated performer who is one of the most prolific and admired stage and screen actors of the last 60 years. You've seen him in dozens of popular TV shows like The Simpsons, Will and Grace, Blue Bloods, The Blacklist, Two and a Half Men, Prison Break, Grey Donovan, 30 Rock, Titus, and of course, as Mickey Spillane's hard-boiled detective Mike Hammer in the series The New Mike Hammer and Mike Hammer Private Eye. He also starred in numerous TV movies and miniseries, including Jesus of Nazareth, The Blue and the Gray, and Hemingway. He's also appeared in hundreds of stage productions all over the world, in regional theater, touring companies, and repertory theater, and in all Broadway and Broadway productions such as Hamlet, Death Trap, Indian, Solitary Confinement, The Kentucky Cycle, King Lear, and other desert cities. But it's on the big screen that he's made his most lasting impression on the host of this show with his memorable work in films like Bat City, The New Centurions, Brewster McCloud, The Life and Times of Judge Roy Bean, Up in Smoke, The Long Riders, Escape from L.A., American History X, The Born Legacy in Nebraska. This man has won dozens of acting awards, played Hamlet, Willie Loman, and the Frankenstein Monster. Portrayed everyone from Doc Holliday to Richard Nixon and is versatile enough to have co-starred with both Dame Judi Dench and Cheech and Chong. Frank and I are thrilled to welcome to the show an actor's actor and a man who says he once sang Christmas carols to John Wayne and Zsa Zsa Gabor, the multi-talented Stacy Keach. <laughs> I'm exhausted already. I'm exhausted. <laughs> Stacy, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thanks for being here. It's great to be here. Now, tell, us the, now, tell us the Christmas Carol story first. Well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was just going to ask that. All John right. I mean, I, we lived, we grew, I grew up in the San Fernando Valley, and uh, my brother is six years younger than I am. But on Christmas Eve, we would always go out in the neighborhood and sing Christmas carols, ring doorbells and sing Christmas carols with a bunch of us. My brother wore this, he was only at the time, I think he was three years old, four years old. I was 10, we're six years apart. And we went to John Wayne's house. He lived not two, two and a half blocks away from us. And he opened the door, his butler opened the door, they invited us in, and John Wayne was there with Jaja Gabor, and we sang, we sang, we sang, "We wish you a Merry Christmas" or something of that nature, and he gave us ten bucks. It was a great, <laughs> great moment, and it was all because of my my brother. My brother was very cute; he was a cute little guy. So the actor James a, Keach, we should point out to our listeners, that's, that's the true. famous yeah. actor James Keach, and, all, and yes. your uh, occasional co-star. Well, yes, and now I'm doing a lot of producing and directing. Right. That's documentaries. Right. That's right. We just did a Linda Ronstadt. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And that was the John Wayne. And, and interestingly enough, years later, we moved another, we moved actually closer to his house on Longridge Avenue, uh, about three houses away. So that's that, that memory lingered for many years still does I love it. actually and i i'm gonna put you on the spot case uh, casey i called you that's Stacey. all right that's all right <laughs> lawrence um, olivier called me stanley creech so you're, you're <laughs> right. stanley creech yeah that's yeah. in the book yeah now i'm gonna put you on the spot and i'm going to ask if you could sing at least part of a christmas carol to us <laughs> How we wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas, and a Happy New Year. Just like uh, when you were 10. Just excellent. like when I was 10. That's excellent. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Stacey, we talked about your brother. Let's talk about your dad, too, who was a, a, an actor, an accomplished actor, uh, Stacey Keach Sr. Yes. Gil Gilbert and I were talking, and uh, we we remember him best as uh, as Carlson on Get Smart. He was the gadgets expert. That's correct. Yes. Yes. But, but he did a lot of wonderful stuff. He was on the Dick Van Dyke show. He was on Maverick. He was in films. He was a talent scout and, for RKO. And wasn't he uh, a commercial spokesman, like a character? Yes. Yes. And I'm just trying to think it was, well, he did a, he used to love to do commercials, play nasty old men. Uh -huh. And uh, <laughs> and he was very good at that, you know. Uh, but uh, just to take us back a little bit, my dad created a show called Tales of the Texas Rangers. Mm -hmm. It was on radio in the 50s. And that's, he, I, I would go down to the studio and watch these actors perform live uh, these radio dramas. And I loved it. In fact, it's what I think really got me started in wanting to be an actor. Joel, Joel McRae was one of those actors, huh? Joel McRae, Willard Waterman, yeah. William Conrad? William Conrad. How about that? And, oh, and yeah. 
your your father wasn't that crazy about you becoming an actor. No, he didn't want either my brother or myself to be to be actors. I mean, they, we were. We were, we, were, we were to be doctors and lawyers. Something re- secure that didn't have the disappointments and the rejections and then, and also the, the, the competition. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but neither of us listened. We, uh, we decided uh, at an early age, I decided when I was in, in college, uh, that I, I really wanted to be an actor. It had started with me in junior high school. And I, I found myself acting in plays, and my dad became very excited about the fact that I was doing Our Town, playing the stage manager, and he loved that play and loved that character, and he took the opportunity to teach me how to do the character, or at least a couple of moments that the character had, describing a a big butternut tree, and he just, he got so excited, you know, scooping ice cream out of a uh, ice cream container and putting it into a soda. I mean, he he loved doing pantomimes. He loved magic as well. So it was very it was very hard for him to hide his enthusiasm for the art of acting. I see. And, and especially in and and Halloween was his favorite uh, his favorite holiday. He loved dressing both me and my brother up as various. You know, characters. And one year, he wanted me to be Emmett Kelly, the sad clown in Ringling sure. Brothers. Yeah. Sure. And I loved it because I, I could, he made me up, put the false nose and the, the sad sack because I didn't have to say a word. He said, You don't have to talk. You don't say anything. You just gesture. So, for I was in heaven. I didn't have to say a word. And I could, <laughs> you know, I could, and I, and I, it was I could pantomime, and one year he dressed my brother up as a space um, a, a spaceship, and uh, <laughs> it was unbelievable. And he and what was it? Uh, a lady wrestler. Love it. Uh, yeah. You know, I read uh, your anyway. book, Stacy. All in all, and you have pictures in there. Your dad of rather elaborate makeup that your dad would put on you guys. Well, F- fa- uh, we, facial makeup and and. I mean, they weren't prosthetics, but they were pretty elaborate for the time. It was very elaborate, and I still remember he, we did this horror film in high school called Strange Reflection. My partner, Joel Tater, and I and a bunch of kids got together, and we made this film using, it was a 16-millimeter camera, and using short ends from, each one of our fathers was in the business, and so... Dick Dayton, his father was a sound man, and Jay Hathaway, his father was a cameraman. So we got together and we actually, we made movies, little tiny movies. Mm-hmm. And one movie was called Strange Reflection. And it was a movie where I played a scientist who got acid thrown on him in his laboratory. I see. And he, <laughs> and, and he had to make me up to look like this monster. Well, we were going down to Newport Beach to shoot some films on the water. And it was so hot that my makeup began to melt and started to roll off my face on in the car. And it was, so if you look very carefully in that, in that film, the, <laughs> the, the prosthetics uh, are, are very uh, irregular. 
yeah. Well, yeah. What, oh. what, was your dad also a dialogue director for Abbott and Costello? Yes, and for Maria Montez. Wow. How about that, yeah. Gil? Oh, man. How yeah. about that? Did you meet Lou and Bud at any point as a child? I never did. No, oh, I never. Okay. I never. But did, I did meet uh, Olsen and Johnson. How about oh. that? <laughs> Hell's a poppin'. Wow. Hell's a poppin'. Oh, uh, yeah. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was wonderful. My dad, he was a wonderful man, and I, uh, I miss him every day. Uh, he, he gave both my brother and I a wonderful sense of this business in terms of its, um, the, the friendships that you make, the, mm-hmm. uh, the relationships over time. And, uh, but he, he instilled the, uh, fear, which, which is, I think is a great motivator as a young actor. You know, I mean, for me it was, because he said, if you don't make it by the time you're 26, forget it. You're not going to make it, you know. Wow. And uh, so I, I became, I was really kind of an overachiever you know, as a young guy. And uh, what was that Walter Pigeon story that they told you that he, that they lied to you, your parents? No, no. <laughs> or no. They, they, they told you a fib? <laughs> well, they wanted me to be a lawyer. They said, right. look, be, you know, Walter Pigeon, Walter Pigeon was a lawyer. You can be a lawyer and an actor. You can do both. <laughs> well, I didn't want to be Walter Pigeon. I mean, right. I know I, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, he was a wonderful actor, but I wanted, I wanted to be James Dean or Marlon Brando. I mean, and it was the 50s, you know. It was, yeah, uh, but they, they told you that he had a fallback career, and then years later, you said, if I'd had Google in those days, uh-huh. I, I would have realized that, that never, none of those things my parents said about Walter Pidgeon were true. <laughs> he didn't true. have a fallback career. That's true. That's exactly <laughs> They true. were trying to protect you. Well, that's right. That's, yeah. It was all done out of love. I mean, that, you know, there was no... Rancor, you know, no, it was done, as you say, protective. You know? yeah. And the yeah. same thing with my brother. I mean, yeah. we were going to be doctors or lawyers, and that was it. So I had to go to the University of California as a freshman and study economics and political science my freshman year. And they said, no acting in plays. No, <laughs> no, not until you get uh, through your first semester. Well, I got through my first semester barely. Yeah, it was a tough year. My freshman year at Berkeley, and then, but I, I, I started acting in my sophomore. Well, the beginning of the end of my freshman year and the beginning of my sophomore year, I really started seriously uh, devoting myself to acting. And I had a great, great couple of professors at the University of California: Travis Bogart and William Oliver and Robert Goldsby, who's still alive, almost a hundred years old. Wow! Amazing, yeah. We speak for for millions, uh, I think, Gilbert. Well, we say we're glad you didn't become an, a doctor or a lawyer, Stacy. <laughs> 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 and, and you were once saying in uh, that, you know, you've done so many parts, and people uh, go up to you and they say, "Didn't you used to be uh, Stacy Keach?" Uh, yes, yes. 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 <laughs> Didn't you used to be Stacy Keach? I said, "Yeah, I think I still am. I'm not sure, but." Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, use the name Stacy Keach Jr. when you first started to to dis- distinguish yourself from your dad, who had, who well, acted under I, that name. I, I, my first film, I, you know, I, I grew up. I, I didn't like being junior because in the household, uh-huh. whenever we'd go to Texas for the summer to visit our grandparents, people would say, "Stacy, which one, junior or senior?" And I mean, it was just a 
I, I, I didn't like it. I didn't, I didn't like being a, a junior, you know, you know. And right. so I, I asked my dad, I said, do you mind if I just say, um, you know, if I just cut the junior off and just say Stacy Key? He said, no, no problem. I'll be a senior. God love him. I mean, right. that was a, it was a very generous, gracious thing to do. Lon, you know, Lon Chaney Jr. hated being junior. I, you know, it makes it's a diminutive uh, suffix uh, you know, to one's name. I mean, it's it's it, it makes you know. Now listen, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, he did, he's done okay. Juniors, Sammy he, Davis uh, Jr. did okay. Sammy Davis, yeah, <laughs> a lot of guys. But if they're comfortable with it, I think it makes all the difference. I sure. mean, it's, Sure. You know, I was just never comfortable with it. Your dad's also in features. I mean, he's in the FBI story with, with yeah. Jimmy Stewart. He's in the Parallax View with Warren Beatty. I mean, he's a, he's a recognizable actor. He worked a long time. Yeah, he did indeed. Yeah. Uh, and and I, 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 he had an opportunity in Rubble Without a Cause to play the Jim Backus character. And oh. he's, he told me that he, he had turned it down, and I can't remember why. But I remember he. I remember he said he, he didn't want to do it, and I thought, oh my goodness, uh, yeah, that was a wonderful opportunity that he. I think I don't know why he turned it down. I remember this day. Interesting. Anyway, Interesting. Yeah. Got to ask you, Stacy, uh, and we jump around here, so we'll talk about. That's okay. We'll talk yeah. about stage work. We'll talk about meeting Olivier. We'll talk about Orson Welles. Uh, but Gilbert and I have to ask. I watched Fat City and I watched Life and Times of Judge Roy Bean, which we mentioned in the intro. I just uh-huh. God, I love you was bad, Bob. The albino, <laughs> the albino gunslinger. Maybe yeah. my, I know it's yeah. I know it's only about seven minutes of screen time, but it's a memorable seven minutes of screen time. Oh, it's fun! It was a fun day. One day you shot. One day. Yeah. One day, starting at four o'clock in the morning, we get that makeup on. Yeah, and it was uh, I was I had been working on uh, the new Centurions, and yeah. I. It was it was still in productions, but I came out there for a day. And John Houston he wanted me to play this character as an albino, uh, uh, which was I, I was I was in heaven. I had an Edith Head costume. Oh, Edith Head, right? Yeah, that's right. They give you red contact lenses too. And <laughs> dude, there was so much sand blowing up, and I had to ride into town on this horse, gallop into town that I didn't need red contact lenses. My eyes were pouring with tears. You know, <laughs> I, I was <laughs> the sand. So I didn't I didn't have to use the contact lenses. My eyes I, were red. I remember you show up. There's like a, if I'm getting this right, if I remember it, there's like a fire there. Uh-huh. And there's like a pot of boiling hot coffee. That's right. And you no. pick it up and gulp it down. First, he shoots the horse and says, and, and tells the guy to make the, the horse into a meal. Yeah, and he said, and he said, how do you like your horse? I said, blue. Right. And he drinks piping hot coffee off of a fire. Okay, now you're going to have to be patient with me, Stacy, because uh, the life and times of Judge Roy Bean with Paul Newman uh, had a theme song. That was sung by Andy Williams. Oh, Gilbert, you amaze me. <laughs> Marmalade, molasses, and honey, cinnamon, and sassafras tea. Oh. I know my life would be so happy and sunny <laughs> if you'd come away with me. I know I'd really like. 
to do. Head for the hills, the hills with you. And hear you say, hey, let's make a day of it, Marm. <laughs> Fantastic. Have you, heard, have you heard that in 45 years, Stacey? No, I haven't heard that. I never heard that. I don't think I heard of that. <laughs> Uh, memorable. Well done. Well done. Thank you. Don't you ever question what I say. I think you shut off my toe. You need the second one over from the big one. <laughs> you go tell that snake scum judge that I intend to burn his eyes out and feed him to the buzzards. But before I do, I want to eat breakfast. I've ridden a long way and amassed a powerful hunger. Now listen, you tell him to prepare to go to hell. I will send him there directly. Now get! What about my toe? Now they're mine. Yeah. Tell us, you did, you did Life and Times of Judge Roy Bean, a movie, by the way, that our listeners should check out. It's a lot of fun with a great cast. I mean, yourself and, and Roddy, Bissett, Roddy McDowell. Yeah, Jacqueline Bissett. Everybody turns up. Young Victoria Principal. Everybody turns up in there. But you did Fat City for, for Houston before, which is a wonderful performance. Thank you. Tully and a couple of things about that movie. Uh, and I want to ask you if you took a real punch in the ring, because I think you did. I did indeed. Yeah. <laughs> After we had done the choreographed fight, John Houston came forward and said, very good, boys. That was just, that was excellent. Now, I want you to just get out there and box. Just get out there. Just throw the punches. Don't worry about it. Just get out there and box. Good John Houston. <laughs> well, we went out there and, and Sixto Rodriguez, wonderful, wonderful guy, wonderful actor. And he was a professional fight. He had 87 professional fights. Never had a shot at the title, but he was—he had these arms. He was built. I mean, it was just it was steel. His arms were like steel. And he said, "Don't worry, Stacy. Just come out there, man. You can hit me as hard as you want. Don't worry about a thing." Man. So I got out there. We started banging the bells, and I hit him in the stomach hard, and he couldn't help himself. It was just an automatic response. He came out with the right hook, or boom, like that, knocked me absolutely knocked me cold. And that's the shot that they I used said in the, the movie. shots in the movie. Yeah, I thought that's the one. Yeah. You fall face down to the canvas, and I knew you couldn't fake that. No, that was not fake. Yeah. That was it. And Johnson's very good. That was a wonderful shot. <laughs> <laughs> Have you met John Sundanny Houston, Stacy? Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah we had him on this show, and he does. You two do, do the best John Houston's in the business. Uh, well, he was <laughs> a wonderful. He was a memorable character. I think a lot of people would, yeah, he could do that. He'd take so your money, would Because I was just about to ask you if you did an imitation of John Houston. Well, I just Listen did, didn't I? Yeah, so. It's very good. He would <laughs> he would take your money in, in pool and backgammon, wouldn't he? He absolutely. Oh, yeah. He was a gay. And what surprised me was that he would, we would at the end of a day shooting, we'd have dinner. And then he goes, oh, all right, let's go never. Let's let's shoot a game of pool stays. What do you say? And I had a pool table in, in this house that they had rented for me. He got over there. He was in there until 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I'll bet. I mean, <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it. And I think we, we got to get, because we had to get up at 7, you know, or even earlier. Yeah. And he, you, tireless. He was unbelievable. 
You said uh, in an interview that when you first started uh, getting into films, you had theater experience, but uh, working in front of a camera scared you in the beginning. Yes, it did. Yeah, I was very self-conscious. I really was. And it was Gordon Willis, the cameraman Gordon Willis, God love him, he's no longer this, mm-hmm. who gave me... Uh, confidence to work in front of a camera. He changed on a movie called End of the Road, which is one of the second or third films that I had done. And he said, Stacy, I want you to, I want to introduce you to Mitchell. I said, okay, Mitchell. And he actually, he's, he's talking to the camera. He said, this is Stacy Keach. This is Mitchell. Say hello, say hello to Mitchell, Stacy. So I began talking to this camera. Hello, Mitchell. You know, he said, and over here is Ari. Aeroflex, the handheld Aeroflex mm-hmm. camera. He he said every day you come in. The first thing you do, you go in and you have you tell you tell Mitchell or Ari, whichever camera we're using, what you had for breakfast, how you're feeling. You talk to the camera and make it your friend. It became a, like a personal relationship with this machine. Wow! And it 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 alleviated my uh, my fear, my anxiety. I got over it, and it's how I broke through and and became comfortable in front of a camera. It was no you, longer no longer terrified me. You said in the, a, in the book that you that you wouldn't go to dailies early on. You avoided no. you avoided dailies. Famously avoided Robert Altman, uh, who liked to bring everybody to dailies. When you everybody, it was, a, it was a party, and he would get upset if you didn't want to go. Well, it started with the Hardest and Lonely Hunter, which was my first film, and I went. I mean, I I was so self conscious. I, I saw, I went to the dailies because Robert Ellis Miller, who was a wonderful director, invited everybody to this, to the local theater in town where they ran the dailies. And um, I, I just, I, I felt very uneasy because everything I, I saw myself overacting. Everything was too big and I didn't believe a word I was saying. You know, I just didn't believe it. Uh, I thought, oh, that's not good at all. It was my first or second experience in front of a camera mm. and so i i was very very uh self-conscious about it and i just decided you know what i i don't want to go to dailies anymore because the adjustment that i made as a result of seeing myself overacting was to do nothing at all in a couple of movies where i was just very cool and absolutely nondescript very unemotional and Nothing was happening. I mean, there was nothing going on. It was, you know, it was bad acting. So I just said, you know what? I'm just going to get involved in the process and just do my work. The only re- way I would feel comfortable or felt the need to go to dailies was if there was a, a technical situation like a makeup, or a wig or a nose or a scar or something that I had to check to see if it was, you know. But as far as going to the dailies to see a performance... I was very self-conscious about it. I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Because the other thing is this. In, in, in film, when you're acting, the director makes the this final decision about what tape to use. And, and I, I remember when I was doing Doc. Uh, I, oh, Frank Perry. With Frank Perry. Yeah. And I would go to the dailies. I was going to dailies in those days. And I would say, you know, I would see three takes. And I would... I would say, oh, God, I hope they use take two. Well, they didn't use take two. They used take one or take three. And I got, I got very upset. So I, I, I realized early on, you know, there's no 
there's no advantage to going to dailies if you're going to get upset and anxious and alter your performance. Just go and do the best you can and let the director decide what's good and what's not good. Well, we want you to lean into that phone just like Gordon Willis told you to lean into that camera. Stay okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh, but, and is it true that you discovered the funds? Well, I didn't discover the funds, but I, I taught the funds. There you go. Uh, Henry Winkler went to Yale, and I was—I had been asked to go back to Yale from Robert, Robert Bluestein to be a member of the Yale Repertory Company. And uh, during that time, I—I—I—I uh, I, I, I taught, and Henry Winkler, uh, James Naughton, and my brother were all students. But I knew early on that Henry Winkler was going to be. Um, Big star. He had such, uh, he had great talent. He, he's yeah. he's been here as well. Oh, he's a great guy. Yeah, good him. man, and one of the most yes, liked, one of the most one of the most beloved people in show business. Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah. with good reason. He's a wonderful man. Got to recommend Fat City, Gilbert. Have you seen it in years? Not it's for so, years. It's so good, Stacy, and you're so good in it. And you and Susan Tyrell, the late great Susan Tyrell. Oh yes, yes, such yes. One, I mean, it's a movie that it's a it's a movie about the the dark side of boxing. I mean, Rocky, it ain't. Uh, no, it ain't. Yeah. <laughs> and it it is uh, it is a heartbreaking film and a beautiful film. The, the, watching the scene where you bang your head into the jukebox because you're you're trying to woo her in your strange way in the in the bar. Yeah, it, it's it's a. Uh, it's some really beautiful and Bridges, a very young Jeff Bridges. Beautiful oh, acting, was beautiful great. acting in that film. Yes, well, thank you. It's one of my favorites too. I really a lot to a lot to recommend. And Houston, and, go ahead, oh, go ahead, Gil. Oh, you you said uh, you've really learned. You've uh, uh, stretched yourself in dying in movies. You've you've died on so many uh, movies. <laughs> 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 You know what? Movies. I wish I had died in (laughs) before the movie died. Stacy, in the book, you listed your best death scenes. I did. In all in all, all, yeah, yeah. In your memoir, right? One of them being in the New Centurions. Yes, yes, indeed. Which which reminds me a lot of this wonderful, crazy little movie called Survival Skills. Yes, it's your yeah. Just came out. Yeah, and because. In those days, we, uh, we, Joseph Wambaugh, who wrote the, the novel, the book, The New Centurions, that the movie was based on, was, was a consultant on the movie. And he said, uh, he insisted that Eric Estrada, Scott Wilson, and myself all go to the police academy and do two weeks of police training. Mm-hmm. It was, he required it. And it was a great thing to do because we really, we got a taste of what it's like to be a cop. You saw some scary stuff, according oh. to the book. What, yeah. what did you learn from uh, going to police academy the, of the difference of a real-life cop and a movie cop? Not much difference. <laughs> I mean, no, you know, no, no, I didn't. I, mean, I, I It was very hard for me to distinguish, um, well, obviously, I mean, a real-life cop he deals with real situations, real bullets, real guns. A movie cop, he doesn't. But never. But aside from that, uh, the the thing that impressed me the most was what policemen undergo, what they have to go through 
on a daily basis, particularly if they have to investigate a homicide, which we had to do. One night, and we had to ride in the black and white through Watts, and I remember the looks of absolute hatred and fear coming from the people who were, you know, standing around. And we had to go into this this apartment in Watts and unhinge a man whose neck was caught up in the floor in the headboard of a, a bed, and it was it was. Uh, it was a gruesome experience. Gruesome. And I thought to myself, wow, my respect for policemen and what they have to go through and what they have to deal with and what they have to do is uh, is really admirable and worthy of respect. It was a different era than today where the police are the enemies to mm-hmm. a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It's a good film. Is, good film. And uh, how, how did you find George C. Scott? I mean, we've, we've, oh, never, I loved, we've heard I just, 300 of these shows, done 300 of these shows, and we've heard conflicting things about the man, but mostly good things. Well, I, I'm one of the good guys. I mean, I, he was a great, great actor. And uh, he taught me a lot because he, he came from the stage. Mm-hmm. He started acting in a very late, very late in his life. He was a teacher. He taught, he didn't start acting really until he was in his, uh, his late 20s or early 30s. And um, I learned so much from him just watching the way he would, the, innu- the nuances and the innuendos, the suggestion. And one thing he taught me about behavior mm-hmm. was that before you say the line, you say the line inside your head so that the eyes, you're in your eyes, uh, you're conveying the emotion of whatever that moment's about. And taught me as an actor, you know, to anticipate, rather than just saying lines, that before you say the line, what's the feeling that the line comes out of? And he was a master at that. He was an absolute master. Oh, great! what a great body of work. Oh, yes. That he left behind. Yes, indeed. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. There's a part of the book that's fun that that you you found yourself soon after the New Centurions appearing with his ex-wife. They had just gone through a, vo- a divorce. Colleen Dewhurst. Yes. And she was called upon to slap you in the in the in the scene that's in the right. stage production, and you didn't know why she slapped you so violently. Yes. It was Hamlet. It was Hamlet. Hamlet. It was Hamlet. It was Hamlet. <laughs> it, was Hamlet. <laughs> it was in in Central Park. Yes. Uh, and I had just been telling stories about George, and she didn't. She didn't care uh, for that. No, Tell, no they, they had a, they did, they had, I think, not a very pleasant uh, course. Anyway. As long as we're talking about these wonderful characters like George C. Scott and, and John Huston, and again, we, ju- we jump all over the place, as you can see. 
Uh, you had dinner, just the two of you, with the great Orson Welles. Right. Yes. We're doing a movie called Butterfly. Yeah. James Kane. Yeah. And Orson was playing this judge. It's a movie about incest between a father that, and daughter. That was what Pia Sidora. Yeah, that was the Sidora. legendary exactly Pia Sidora right. movie. Yes. Pia Sidora, yes. Financed by her husband. That's correct. Yes. Yes. And uh, and you took the role because you were a James Cain fan. Absolutely. I yeah. love James Cain. Good instincts. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I had done uh, a movie called The Killer Inside Me. Right. Yeah. Uh, which was... Anyway. Um, Orson. Orson, yes. He invited me to go to dinner. I was a great honor and great thrill this was. And we were at the... The, I believe it was the um, the Sands Hotel. I think it was the Sands. Anyway, it was the dining room. I'll never forget it. There was just the two of us. This little old lady uh, came up and said, Oh, Mr. Wells, Mr. Wells, I love you so much. Would you please sign this autograph? He said, not, not while I'm eating, dear. Not while I'm eating. And But he, after dinner, he very graciously got up and he, he signed her autograph. But he was enormous uh, during uh, Butterfly. He was... He'd, his, he was way, way overweight. And at dinner, I'll never forget, he ordered, he ordered two sides of roast beef and a baked potato because he was on a diet. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you, you said in the book you were pleasantly surprised that he wanted to talk about you. I, he didn't want to talk about himself. Yeah, I, 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 was, I wanted to ask him questions about so many things. I mean, particularly... You know all his films, and he didn't. But he said, "No, no, no. I want to." He, he wanted. He wanted to talk about Pirandello. How I interesting! It. it was very interesting. How yeah. interesting! From the sublime uh, to the ridiculous. Tell tell us about working with Cheech and Chong. I always <laughs> I always love Sergeant Studenko. Oh, thank you. Well, I, so do I. And I wish you'd done more comedies. I mean, I loved you on Titus, but I, I always thought you had a feel and a knack for comedies, and wanted to see you in more. Well, thank you. I, 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 television has been very good to me in that respect. Yeah, I've had a chance sure. to do some television in that respect. Yeah, Simpsons, Two and a Half Men, Two and a Half Men. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and more recently, uh, Crowded and uh, Right, uh, Man with a Plan with uh, with Matt LeBlanc. With Matt, yeah. So, but yeah, but thank you. I love doing comedy. I think you know, and, and we just did a twenty twentieth reunion of Titus. Um, we just did this last summer, as a matter of fact. And it was great fun with getting everybody back together, even though I was in quarantine. <clears throat> so they shot me uh, sort of separately. And, uh, but uh, no, I loved, I, I love comedy. I think uh, if it was a choice between having people laugh or cry, I'd much rather have them laugh. We were talking about your versatility. I was talking to your daughter, Carolina, before, and I was telling her oh. about the and, uh, and, and as Gilbert said, how many people have worked? Didn't you work with Sir Ralph Richardson too? Yes. Well, I didn't work with him. No, I didn't work with oh, him. Oh, okay. No. I met him. Okay. Twice. I met him on a couple of occasions. He came to see me. I was doing a play at the National Theater in, uh, in London, Huey, and uh, Eugene O'Neill's play. And he came to see it and was very complimentary. And then I went back to see him uh, when he was doing a play at the Kennedy Center some years later. But we recently Zoomed David Story's home that Ralph Richardson co-starred in with John Gielgud. And I did it with uh, 
the great actor Alfred Molina. So he you're d- you're doing Zoom. Th- you're doing plays. Your daughter told me you're doing plays and productions via Zoom. Yes, that's what we're doing right now. I've done. Uh, it started last April with King Lear because they were this uh, church in uh, Bucks County um, was doing a uh, a charity performance for to raise food for the homeless. And they did an adaptation of Lear that Orson Welles and Peter Brook had put together some years ago. It was never really produced. But it was like a 90-minute version of a four-hour play, which is, you know, it was like the radio almost. And it worked. And we did that. And I thought, wow, Zoom is kind of an interesting format. And because we can't get back into a theater, yeah. then uh, what I would really like to do is do more plays. So we did... Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, Daddy. We did um, um, Huey with the late and great Clark Middleton, who recently passed away. Uh, terrible story. I mean, he got—he was a wonderful actor. He was bit by a mosquito in Los Angeles oh and my got God. and got West Nile virus and oh, passed away in like three days. Sorry to hear that. In fact, it was a memorial for him. He was a wonderful, wonderful actor, great guy. It was so, so you're, tra- you're, tragic. You're, you're fine. You're fine. It is tragic. I'm sorry to hear that. Now you're, I, you're finding I, a way, though. I actually saw Yui on Broadway yeah. with uh, Ben Gazzara. Uh huh. Yeah, I love Ben. He was a great actor. He was a great actor. It's a wonderful play. Many actors have done it. Uh, Jason Robards started it. Mm-hmm. He, he, uh, and uh, Al Pacino did it. Um, um, Brian, let's see who, Forrest Whitaker. All good actors. Yeah. How did you, how did you, I want to just go back to Studenko for a moment. How did you find that character and the clothes, Stacy? The white, <laughs> the, the white vinyl belt, that terribly oh, loud, the terribly oh. loud sport jacket, the, the stumpy tie. Oh, it was a great, you know, I can't take responsibility for that. It was the costume designer who did it. It was great, though. It was wonderful stuff. Yeah. yeah at one point, I, I'll never forget the dialogue dope, drugs, grass, weed, toot, smack, quackers, uppers, downers, all arounders. <laughs> good for you. Uh, I memorized it. Uh, very good. You have fun with those guys? And I never saw Nice oh, yeah. Dreams. I never saw the sequel, but I understand you turned into a lizard. Yes. <laughs> you, you have to check it out. Yes. Yeah. He turns in, yeah. And, and, and I had to be on the wall trying to catch flies. Like a lizard. And, and that, was, that was an experience in and of itself, just to get me to... Get they had to put me. Uh, I had these braces to put my arms in on on a on a set flat set, and then they had to pick it up, hoisted it up, and you know, it was painful. It was not pleasant, <laughs> but it was very funny. Very funny. Gilbert, how many actors played uh, Hamlet, Richard the Third, and also uh, worked with Cheech and Chong? I think think only the man sitting in front of us. Stacy, a couple of questions from listeners, uh, if I may. This is from from Stephen Miller, not that Stephen Miller. Who had the idea of casting actual brothers as each family and the brothers in The Long Riders? That was my brother and myself. You and James. Yes, we both, it was an idea that was generated by, interestingly enough, I, I was living in Malibu and right at the bottom of a hill, was Walter Hill. He lived down there, and we were very interested in getting him as a director. 
And we, and we had just come up with this idea that let's get brothers to play brothers. Good idea. We thought so, too. He didn't like the idea. He said, no, you don't need to do that. Well, I'm glad that he prevailed. And then and Walter I, Hill. Walter, another Hill became a director, you know. Uh, I met your brother years ago mm-hmm. on a plane. Is he still married to... Um, Jane C. Martin? Yes. Uh, no. No. But uh, he just recently, I'm very proud of him, he just did a great job with a film, uh, a second film about with Linda Ronstadt. Uh, Was that The Sound certain, of My Voice? It's a sequel. Oh. Yeah, he did yeah. that. He did yeah. The Sound of My Voice. He's doing good work. He did a Mockingbird. Uh, he's just a recent... Uh, just came out recently. It's it's, a, it's like a sequel. It's about her experience in Mexico. Oh, yes. It's, the it's, second part of her career. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. I love The Long Riders. I, I got to say, you know, and by the way, it's a, no. it's a film that's just turned 40. Two of, wow. your, two of your most famous films, that and The Ninth Configuration, uh, uh-huh. are 40 this year. Uh, Gilbert, right. you know The Long Riders. It's got Dennis Quaid and Randy Quaid playing, uh, playing yeah. brothers and... Christopher right. Guest and his brother, and uh, yeah. and and James and Stacy as the James brothers. Good the Carradines. The Carradines. David Carradine's oh, wonderful course. in that movie. Oh yeah. We had Keith here on the show, by the way. Oh, uh, he's a great. Good guy. guy and a Gilbert fan. Who can explain it? Yes. <laughs> I love the, the knife fight scene between the between the actor James Remar and David Carradine in that movie is so memorable. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, I remember the day we shot that. Yeah, and you're underplaying in that movie. I mean, Frank, Frank yeah. James. You, you, it's an interesting choice you made with Frank James because he's very quiet. Yes, he's very quiet. He was sort of well. Jesse was out there. Jesse was uh, he was the leader of the of the gang. He it was the leader. Nine yeah. years trying to get that project off the ground. Nine years. We got uh, we got very close a couple of times, and and I'll never forget. Uh, a producer named Paul Monash. Uh, I don't know if you remember. I know him, that right? name. Yeah. Yeah. We came very close. We were going to do it with him, and then it fell apart. But then it wasn't until we made a photograph with all the brothers together, which is in my book, mm-hmm. that the studio said, "Oh, okay," because up until that point they were very hesitant to back the film, saying, well, "You'll never get everybody together." I said, "Well, what happens if we?" Get a photograph and say that you know, and then that at that time, Jeff and Bo Bridges were going to play the Ford brothers, and so they're in the photograph. Yeah, they're in that picture but, in the book. But they, yes, yeah. But they had, a, I think they were going to do the Baker Boys, so that was not. So we got Dennis and Randy. It was Dennis's, I think, one of his first movies. Yeah, yeah. They're everybody's. Everybody's good in it. It's a wonderful movie. Well, Walter uh, Hill was a great director. Yeah, we're fans. Here's a question yeah. from David Milstein. Mr. Keach, uh, I have a question for you about The Ninth Configuration, a complex movie that I think to this day does not get the love it deserves. Oh, uh, that's very nice. Uh, William Vladdy described it in a, way, as a way, in a way as the real sequel to The Exorcist. It was the flip side of The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. The Exorcist being about the devil, Satan. Yeah. And The Ninth Configuration is really a film about faith, I think. It's a film about belief in in in, in God. Yes, but it's also in, a black in, comedy. In, oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah, Gilbert, well, you got to go ahead. No, I was going to say Blatty had a, he had a real knack for for comedy. 
He really did. Gilbert, you got to see this movie because in addition to Stacy, a lot of your favorite actors, uh, uh, Ed Flanders, uh, uh, Joe Spinell, Robert Loggia. Yeah. Yeah. Moses Gunn. Moses Gunn. Neville Franz. Most of them gone now, sadly. They're all gone. They're all gone, except for Tom Atkins and you. Tom Atkins and yeah. and and Jason Miller uh, turns up from the Exorcist. Jason Miller. Yeah. Did you did you and I want to ask about Ninth Configuration too? But were you were up for the part of Father Karras in the Exorcist? I was. I was. In fact, I for about twenty four hours I had the part. I'll never forget. It. We had an audition at the Sherry Netherlands Hotel in New York. Bill Blatty, uh, William Friedkin, um, Linda Blair, Ellen Burstyn. And I read this couple of scenes, went home, thought, well, I did pretty well. Got a call from my agent and said, you got the part, you got it. This was a Friday night. And they said, but they didn't, but they're offering, the money's no good. I said, well, so let me try to get some more money, my agent said, you know. And I said, well, I don't want to lose this character. I don't want to lose it. Don't worry about it. That night, Bill Blatty and William Friedkin went to see that championship season, and they met with Jason Miller afterwards. They went out for a drink, and they decided Jason Miller, you know, he can really, he really is right for this part. So on Monday morning, my agent called me and said, I got some bad news for you, Stacy. What? They turned you down. I said, what? They said, yeah, they passed. They're going with Jason Miller. Oh, my God. Well, years later, I got the ninth configuration, which was sort of retribution, I guess. Or right. That in a way. I mean, what a what a strange movie. Gilbert, you would love this movie. It's, it's very it's bizarre. A, it's a wild ride. And and yeah. Blatty himself and, directed it. And as a monster fan, I'm very excited that you're joining the ranks of Boris Karloff, Lon Cheney <laughs> Jr., Bale Lugosi, <laughs> Glenn Strange, Robert uh, De Niro. Robert De Niro. And, and uh, Peter Boyle. Jack- and Peter Boyle. Peter Boyle. <laughs> and, and Jack Elam. And Mike Sar- uh, uh, Michael Sarazen. Yes. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. That's a new one. Yes, I remember. That was in the TV movie. Yes, yes, ah. yes. Yeah, how did you, how did you do this, Stacey? You, this, was a, this was a radio production? A radio production for L.A. Theater Works. Yeah. You do radio productions in front of a live audience. Uh, and and uh, this was, well, it was about eight, nine months ago. Almost a year ago, but even then, the the virus was just beginning to to move around, and I thought to myself, I said, "How do you want to play this monster?" Because the monster, as written by Mary Shelley, is a very articulate, very intelligent, yeah, person. You know, uh, unlike many of the personifications that have since been, you know, like most Frankenstein's or and I, you know, this guy was. That's not the way she wrote it. So I said, "Well, how can I convey the monsterness of this guy?" So I decided to use a kind of a, a little bit of a wheeze. That his vo- his lungs were not quite formed properly. So that's 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 the way I played him. Oh, interesting choice. What's the what's yeah. the what's your key to playing heavies and bad guys, Stacy? We asked uh, Andy Houston the same question. Find the humanity, even though it may be despicable. There's got to be a hum, you know. I mean, one of the, one of the reasons why I love Alec Baldwin's version of Trump is that there's a human being there aside from just being, you know, 
You know, yeah. I mean, there's going to be a lot of Trumps in the future, I have a feeling, too. And, to, you know, to, to make him just a pure evil person that he is, I think that, uh, in my opinion, I yes. think that you it's a shared find, opinion. Uh, well, got to <laughs> find the humanity, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, and humor. Humanity, in, and I think humor reveals humanity sure. as well. Even in a character like Bad Bob. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. Tell us something. This is one of Gilbert's favorite actors and somebody you work with. Tell us your memories of Rod Steiger. Oh, my God. Well, I, you know, we grew up in Malibu together. We, we lived in Malibu at the same time. And he and Marty Sheen and I would go to the, the Malibu coffee shop and uh, share stories about the, the business and whatever, you know, complaining about not getting enough work or whatever. But I had the great opportunity to work with him, but not with him, on Jesus of Nazareth. Uh -huh. He was playing Pontius Pilate, and I was playing Barabbas, and I had a scene with him, but he wasn't there. I, I was playing to the back of some actor who was wearing his costume. And I thought, oh, my God, because in the movie, it looks like we have a scene together. And, uh, oh, he was a great So, great wait, guy. he did to you I, what Brando did to him in Streetcar? <laughs> uh, not streetcar in um in uh, uh, in uh, on, on the, the waterfront. waterfront. On the waterfront, he made yeah. you act without him being there. That's right. <laughs> wasn't that That's famous, Gilbert? That that uh, yeah, he, he wasn't as in the, the backseat of the car. As yeah. a matter, yeah, because uh, in the famous um in the taxi cab, yeah. you know, I could have been a contender. Yeah. Uh he's in the two shot. He's not in the close up. Yeah. So Brand uh, Brando just went home, and, and he, I remember. Geez. I met Rod Steiger and I said, I brought that up and he said, I didn't speak to him for 20 years. Yeah, it's very good, that. very good, very good. <laughs> Stacy approves of your Rod Steiger. I, Thank I do. <laughs> Stacy, I thought this was interesting. And it's true, by the way. He told that story many times. He did. Yeah, you said in the oh, book yeah. he may have been a little embittered. By by uh by what happened with uh with on the waterfront with Brando with Brando uh, achieving he, so much fame and stardom, he was he was yeah, but he had enough of his own success and he got over it. He, he had a wonderful career. It, oh, he he, he said he said too that he turned down Patton and uh, Steiger said uh, had he taken Patton he would have gotten the Godfather. Huh. Interesting. That is interesting. Stacy, did you turn down MASH? I did. But I didn't do it. I didn't do it knowingly. <laughs> I had I had had he'd had I'd had a rough experience with Robert Altman because I'd done a play off Broadway called McBird. Yes. And I and I got it was what really launched my career in a way in terms of the theater. And Bob Altman wanted to make a movie of McBurr, but he didn't want to cast me. He cast Phil Bruns, because he saw it in out here in, in California. He didn't see it in New York. And I was very, I was upset about it. I had been cast in, in Catch-22 uh, to play Colonel Cathcart. Yep. And book. I was on the movie for three days before I was fired. And the reason being that I was too young for the part. Didn't have the ear for the part. Just, it absolutely decimated me. I was destroyed by it. I was really upset. Came back to New York and got an offer to do a play that had just come out of London. It was going to be at the arena stage called Indians to play Buffalo Bill. And I said, I'd love to. And uh, at the same time, Robert Altman called me and said, look, I'm getting ready to do a, a war movie 
Uh, but I went, it's going to be very well, it's going to be improvised. And I had just come off a guy and said, oh, I don't want any more war movies. And I was, and I, I was holding a grudge for the McBird situation that he cast another actor. So I said, no thanks. And uh, I did Indians. I could have been Donald Sutherland because that was the part that it was. It's, it's yeah. interesting, the twists and turns of a career. Oh, my goodness. You yeah. write about that a lot in the book. Well, I have had, I've had a few of those in my, in my career. Sure, everybody has. Sure. Yeah, everybody has. Uh, yeah. This is from, jo- let's see, Jonathan Sloman. Can, what can Stacy tell us about a wonderful picture called The Squeeze, a, gr- a gritty uh, British gangster film? He's so great in it with oh, David Hemming's you. Edward Fox and Stephen right. Boyd's last film. And whose idea was it for Stacy to have a nude scene? Ah, uh, <laughs> Michael Apted. Michael Apted. <laughs> yes. It was Michael Apted. He was, great. he was a wonderful director. He still is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. 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 Coal Miner's yeah, Daughter yeah. And, 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 and lots of other things. Oh, pictures. yeah. He's done a, he's what, great, ab- great. what about Gregory Peck, another person in the book that, that you talk about, that you admired and well, got to work with? Oh, yeah. It was... Such a wonderful experience. He played Abraham Lincoln in a miniseries called The Blue and the Gray. And his version of the Gettysburg Address is, to this day, I think, the best rendering of it that I've ever heard. He, when he got to that famous last line about government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish, he said, because most actors would say um, government of the of the people, of the, by the people, for the people, instead of of the people, for the people, by the people. He emphasized the people, which was something that I'd never heard any actor ever do when they were reciting that speech. And it's, it's, it always stuck with me. He was a gracious man, tremendously... Um, he, he also, I'm very proud of the fact that he, we both went to the University of California, Berkeley. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you you work yeah. with so many icons, Peck and, I, and Henry I, Henry Fonda, and and oh, Orson, yeah. Orson Welles and Rod Steiger and John Huston and those seem fortunate. like the kind of actors where you got to go. Oh wait a minute, is this person real? I <laughs> know, I know. I'm very, I'm, I'm blessed. I really am. What's the what's uh what's your your uh, your in, Stacy, or uh, for lack of a better term, when you when you're playing a real person, you've played Richard Nixon, you've played P.T. Barnum, you played Doc Holliday, uh, Hemingway, famously, you're nominated still, no, nominated for an Emmy for that. I'm still working on Hemingway as a as a live uh, stage performance. Oh, you're gonna do it again? Uh, yes. Once we get back into a theater, I mean, good Lord, who yeah. knows how long that's going to be. One of these but days anyway, soon. I, I love doing, <clears throat> excuse me, research. To me, research is one of the great joys of being an actor, to learn not only about the man or the, the person that you're portraying, but also the period, the culture, what was going on in the world at the time that that person was, you know, alive. And... Um, I love research. Uh, it stimulates me. And I've always been a history buff mm-hmm. to a certain extent. So, I, yeah, to me, that's the key. And members and, of Hemingway's family thought you captured him. Well, that was very gracious of them to say that. Yes, I was. And I'm, I'm still working on him. I mean, it's, uh, he's, an, he's an extraordinary, extraordinary character. And, and when you first uh, started getting a name for yourself, I heard it's like, you didn't want to do parts that would be big, you know, this is going to be a, make you a big star. You wanted to show you versatility. 
Well, that, that I think that, yes, that's true. I was, I think it was one of the reasons why I was, I was, I think, a, a little gun shy of success, of fame. That I, I it was not something that uh, I didn't feel was equivalent to my desire to be a, a great actor. I mean, uh, because a lot of my upbringing was in terms of, of classical theater, Shakespeare. For me, the measurement of greatness was being able to play the great Shakespearean roles. And I think that it came as a result of my uh, idolizing Laurence Olivier, who for me was the greatest actor of his time. And I thought, because um, he was also a great movie actor, but a great, a great classical actor. And to me, the measuring success was not in terms of how famous you were, but in, it was more in, in how well you played the role. That's still my, my God, still to this day. You, you talk in the book about you, you, uh, credits of actors like Murray Hamilton and Charles Durning, people who were, you know, durable actors. Yes. Who, who did so many things. You're talking about how a star like Dustin Hoffman or Paul Newman can, can afford to be choosy and choose parts. And, it, and, and as a result, they work, they seem to work less and, and, and do fewer things. But a guy like Durning and a guy like Murray Hamilton, hundreds of credits. Yes. And you kind of put yourself in that company in the book. I do. In the book. Yeah. Yes. Well, I, and I, 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 I'm hoping that it'll continue yeah. down that road. Yes. Well, we, we, yes. who, who's better than Charles Durning? I mean, you know. Yeah. Oh, he's great. And more versatile. Great. He was wonderful. And I, he, I did two plays with Johnny. Um, he was in Indians. He played Ned Buntline in stage production of Indians on Broadway. Mm-hmm. And then later... He was the gravedigger in my Hamlet that Colleen Dewhurst gave me a whack on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah people should read and, about it in your book. And Murray Hamilton was in one of my favorite Twilight Zone episodes with Ed Wynn, oh, where Murray wow. Hamilton plays Death. Murray Hamilton oh, wow. worked forever. Oh, he was a wonderful, and George, he was the mayor. These are our favorite actors. A guy like John Carradine, Stacey. Yes. I mean... You know, he's probably got four hundred credits on on IMDb. I mean, these guys were these guys worked constantly. Well, they were good to be admired. Yeah. Tell absolutely. tell us about finally meeting Olivier. Well, I went to see him in Long Day's Journey tonight. I was doing Luther. I was playing the the lead in a film. Mm-hmm. Eli Landau uh, put together a series of plays that were made into movies, and I went to see Olivier. And then I went. I made arrangements to go backstage to meet him, and he was very gracious. He invited me into his dressing room. And he's, he, we were talking about Luther, and then he said, and his dresser came in. He said, "Oh, John, John, I'd like you to meet Stanley Creech." <laughs> Stanley Creech. And I didn't. I didn't know what to say. I, I said, "Well, that's who I am. I'm Stanley Creech." But as I was walking out the door, he. He I, he came up and he sort of grabbed my arm and he gave me a shake and said, "Good luck, Stacy." So I knew that he would. He, he knew that he, he he was. I think he was pulling a fast one on me. I think he did that intentionally. I think he knew what my real name was. He was messing. Uh-huh. Olivier but was I, messing with you. I think so, but I didn't know it at the time. I only afterwards did I realize it. You know. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast. 
But first, a word from our sponsor. Speaking of Brits and actors, you say in the book, too, that, that you don't think Americans should attempt British accents. Oh, I don't agree with that. No, I didn't say it. Did I say that? It's in the book. <laughs> well, I have to take it out. Take, take it out. Take it out. Take no. it out. No, I think, no, what I think I meant to say was that many American actors who try to do British accents don't do them very well. But that doesn't mean they shouldn't try to do them. I just did a couple of Zooms. I did a couple of English accents, you know. It's, it's, a, it's a tricky accent. You've got, you can fall in and out of it. And there are a few actors. Uh, Kevin Klein does a wonderful British accent. John mm-hmm. Lithgow mm-hmm. does a great British accent. Did playing yeah. those Shakespearean characters, did playing Richard III and Falstaff and, 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 uh, and Hamlet, did that bring you the most joy in, in your career? It brings me a lot of joy. I don't know about the most joy, but it certainly gave me great satisfaction and gratification. It's a wonderful feeling to... It's a little bit like climbing climbing Mount Everest, I mean, which I've never done. But I mean, I I feel that when you play those great Shakespearean parts and succeed, it's a milestone. I never felt that I succeeded... Three times I played Hamlet. Really? Well, Hamlet is one of those elusive roles. You don't really play Hamlet. Hamlet plays you. And, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. yeah you, it, you never thought you captured it? Not, I captured it. One scene I, I would get one night, and then I, I, never got the, I never felt like I got it done all the way through. That's why I did it three times. I kept trying to get it all done Perfect, you know, just the way I want. Never happened. There's always something that slides away. That's interesting. I'm going to ask you a question, Stacey, that I asked a lot of actors who've been on the show. Uh, do you think a comedian like Gilbert could <laughs> could, could could pull off a dramatic role? A, a Absolutely. Role, a, a role like Willie Loman, say. Yeah, a, why a, not? A role you've played. <laughs> yeah. He's never yeah, attempted I, it. Well, it's, maybe it's time for him to try to do a dramatic. You know, let me. Can you can you do Lee J. Cobb? <laughs> <laughs> you work with Lee J. Cobb. I know, and he did he did a great Willie Loman. Yeah. Wow, he did. Yeah, and and Brian Dennehy did a great Willie Loman. Great, great. I remember the you. He was sh- also a great Huey. That's what I was trying to. Huey, think. yeah, out of this world. He, Just we just yeah. lost him. I know. I he was a good friend of mine. Gilbert, you got to attempt one of these things. Yeah, I know. I'll, I'll be one of those pathetic comics that tries <laughs> to do that pretentious, dramatic part, yeah. and people are really embarrassed by it. <laughs> We're going to give a shout-out to our mutual friend, uh, Stacey Rupert Holmes, who you worked with. Sent me a great Please. picture of the two of you guys doing, oh, so, doing solitary it. confinement. Oh, one of my favorite plays. I just love doing that show. And I love Rupert. He's a wonderful man. What a wonderful guy with all kinds of talent. Oh, An- another old tremendous. friend. Of- we'll, we'll give him love. Gilbert, you'd love Please. this actor. A longtime friend of Stacy's is the is the uh, the celebrated actor, Harris Eulin. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. He's one of my dear friends. In fact, I just wrote him a, a long email today. <laughs> hey. very... We well, are we are huge fans of the man. He he's well, been he, in like thousands of pictures. Yeah, he's a great actor and a great guy. He's one of my dearest friends. We go back. Wow, we've done. Well, we did Doc. We did End of the Road. We did uh, a movie called Watched. Yeah, and we did a what it was. A, 
And we did, I, we did a play. We did we did Arthur Miller's last play called "Finishing the Picture" in the Goodman Theater in Chicago. He's always good. He's one of always. those solid actors that you plug that you plug him in and and bam, and you don't have to worry about him. That's and, right. and this is something having nothing to do with anything. But when you said Lee J. Cobb, all I could think is um, that part in um, Twelve Angry Men. Oh it's like, yeah. Mm, damn. Kids, they wreck your life. Very good. <laughs> there you go, Gil. You got a big rise out of Stacy there. There you go. <laughs> How about all those actors in that movie? You look at that now with Jack Warden and 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 Fonda and Klugman. Jack Klugman. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Ed Begley. Ed Begley. George Voskovic. George Voskovic. <laughs> all oh, one, all one. oh yeah, yeah. Stacy, you've worked with everybody. Tell us something about Roger Moore. Oh God, I love Roger. Yeah, we. My favorite memory of Roger is playing backgammon between takes on uh, this crazy movie we did, which started off as the Sicilian Cross, and then it. <laughs> what else? Did it, it was called Street People, I think. Finally, Street People. It. Yeah, it finally became Street People. That uh, he was such a wonderful guy, so charming, and and. I thought, you know, I mean, he took a lot of heat, I think. I thought he was a terrific James Bond. I really did. Oh, he was great. I thought he was great. Yeah. And I loved him. Well, he started off, you know, that character that he played on television. Uh, Simon Templar. Simon yeah, the, the Templar. Saint. Yes, the same. And, and he did that TV show with Tony Curtis. The Persuaders. Yes. Right. That British show. Right. And yeah, yeah tell he was under, us the- underrated. Tell us the cast you worked with in that championship season. Robert Mitchum was the coach, Bruce Dern, Marty Sheen, and Paul Servino. Yeah. How'd you like Mitchum? Oh, he was great. What a really giant, towering man. I mean, uh, he had, at that point in his life, he was having a little trouble with lines. And he had these long speeches as the coach. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, he brought it off. He, he but he was he was anxious about not being able to memorize big chunks of dialogue. And uh, I remember that he was concerned about that. But he 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 got through it. He didn't. Uh, I'm thinking, looking at my card, Stacy, and I'm going, who who didn't you work with? I mean, you really <laughs> you really covered it. I mean, I also I think about that all star cast of Hamlet in the '70s with Durning and Colleen Dewhurst and James Earl Jones. The one where Joe Papp said he'd put an all star cast together for you. Right, he did indeed. Yeah, and and the late Raul Julia. Oh my and god! And Bruce Stern, we've had on this. Bruce show. Stern, we love, and I just watched I Nebraska. Bruce. Yeah, I, where, where you get to play another heavy. Yeah, yeah, I, and I, it was great fun working with Bruce again. When he was living in Malibu and I was living in Malibu, we used to hang out together. In fact, we there was a big fire. I remember forget, we, we got in a car together and we drove. We were saying how lucky we were that we weren't in the midst of when we saw all these houses that were burned. We spent a lot of time together when he was living in Malibu. Good actor. Another, another one of those guys in, incapable of giving a bad performance. I agree. Are you still I teaching, agree. Stacey, from time to time? Uh, right now, no. Yeah, but right now... What I'm learning uh, that I'm uh, zoom zoom acting is a whole uh, enterprise unto itself, and there's a technique involved that I'm thinking maybe if we if we continue to have to do things via zoom, 
I may start a Zoom acting class. <laughs> there I, you go. You know, <laughs> because there is a technique involved in terms of looking in the camera and scrolling at the same time, scrolling a script while you're acting and not getting what I call wandering eyes. You know, when your eyes start to, you, you can see that a person's reading rather than performing. And there's a trick. First, but it's like the theater. You've got to memorize as much as you possibly can. You've got to be so familiar with the text that uh, it it becomes organic. It's part of and, you. And what, if if I had to ask you for a really short acting lesson, what would you say is the most important thing for an actor to to keep in his mind? Uh, variety. Uh, I think the most important thing for an if you have a, a, a line, say, I love you, that's your line. Just say that as many different ways as you possibly can before you actually have to perform it in front of a camera or on the stage. Repetition is the key to success. And the ability to repeat something over and over and over again and not get bored with it is, I think, a measure of talent. People say, what is talent? I think the ability to withstand repetition. Wow. Could you teach Gilbert, Stacy to play a character, a Shakespearean character? Like <laughs> ma maybe, hey. maybe, maybe, maybe Puck, you know, or, or a, you know, a, a whimsical character, something he could pull off? Gilbert, well, you, did, you did play Iago. <laughs> oh, that's right. See, I was a bird. He so. played a parrot named Iago in, in, a, in the Aladdin movie, Stacy. But could, oh, could, okay, could, he, right. could he play a Shakespearean part, or am I just having a fever dream? No, yeah, absolutely. No, there. You definitely could, Gilbert. You could definitely. And I think uh, Midsummer Night's Dream. Or no, actually, uh, well, Midsummer Night's Dream. Perhaps I don't know though. Puck. I, I'm not sure. Mickey Rooney played Puck, right? That's right. <laughs> In the did. movie. That's right. Yeah. I know. I, I think. I think bottom. Oh, bottom, uh, Gilbert. Good yeah. Oh, okay. Good part there for you. you. Go. Yeah. <laughs> Good part. I saw Burglar do bottom. He was great. I've actually played bottom. I played bottom myself. Yeah. I did a vote, a, a, an audio version. But bottom is a great part. And and all those guys, he, he, the his bottom's gang. He he could definitely you know. Gilbert, I want to see you on one of these Zoom productions. I know it's 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 going to be sad when I do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're going to go, oh, God, he's doing yeah. his, uh, his uh, you know, important work here. <laughs> How do you like playing Howard K. Duff on The Simpsons, Stacey? How do you like working uh, with those crazy guys? Oh, those are great. The Simpsons. Those are great. It's fun. So much fun. Fun, fun, fun. And they're still going. Can you believe it? 20, I mean, what is it now? 30, 31 years oh, or some crazy it's thing? It's unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. We got to get some of those Simpsons guys on here, Gilbert, so you can give them shit about not having cast you. <laughs> yes. Never <laughs> what? Uh, uh. Stacy, let's plug. I want to plug the book All in All, which is still uh, available on Amazon. Thank you. And there's some wonderful. I learned things about you. I did not know. Uh, learned, I learned a lot. I did not know you were present at the trial of the Chicago Seven. I was indeed. Just with. My ex, Judy Collins. With, when yeah. you were dating Judy Collins, which kind That's of blew right. my mind. Yeah. And, and you had dealings with Nancy Reagan. I did. I did indeed. After my drug bust in, in London, I, was, I came back to America uh, in 
was invited to go to, Charles Rangel invited me to the Senate to testify because he was trying to, he was looking to get a bill passed that emphasized prevention rather than in terms of drugs. And he wanted me to be, you know, president and explain what happened to me. And I'm right after that experience, I'm in the dining room. I got a call on the payphone from Nancy Reagan asking me if I would like to be involved in her Just Say No program. When I, and she, she really was responsible for, in many ways, she and Frank Sinatra for um, saving my career at that particular moment in time. Because I, I got involved with Nancy Reagan, and it was a big banquet for her in Southern California at the Universal Hotel, and Frank Sinatra was the MC. And I had written a note in a program full page saying, thank you for all your support to Mrs. Reagan. And Frank brought it up. I thought, he said, I want to say something about this guy, Keech. (laughs) And I started to slide under the table. I thought, oh, no. (laughs) And he said, he he did a stupid thing, but I have a lot of respect for him, and I'm glad that he's doing it. I mean, everybody in town was there. So I, 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 I hold him responsible for the restitution of my career at that point in life. You got a shout-out from Frank Sinatra. I did. Yeah. yeah. You write very candidly in the book, to your credit, about, about your, your battles with drugs and your, and your arrest and how eye-opening that experience was. And uh, it's also, it's also a, a, I think, a great book for anybody who wants to act. Because, well, thank because you. Because it's, it's your journey. You know, it is, yeah. it is the, 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 the journey of a man who is, as I was saying to your daughter when I was speaking on the phone to her today, a man who is truly in love with acting. Yes. And feels like he was born to do it. Yes. And, and yes, here you are yeah. finding a way to do it in a pandemic. <laughs> Trying to find, yes, indeed, I am. And hopefully that will be a limited way and we'll get back into the live theater and the live movie theaters, too. You know, I hope right, so. Yeah. And we'll plug your work I with the so. L.A. Theater Works. And what are you calling the Zoom Theater? Is it an organized... Uh, Stacy Keach Zoom Theater. Stacy Keach Zoom Theater. Zoom. ZKZ, yeah. yeah. Not not Stanley Creech? Not Zoom Stanley Creech, not yet. <laughs> 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 Gil, let's let this... It's late out there. We should tell our listeners that we're talking to Stacy. And, and Stacy, where are you? I'm in Warsaw, Poland, or right outside Warsaw, He's Poland. He's in Warsaw, Poland. A little Poland. town called Magdalenka. And, yeah. and, and what time is it there right now? Right now, it's 11.35 at night. The man, the man kindly has stayed up till 11.30 at hey, night. Thank you. To do this podcast because he's in Warsaw. So we want to thank you. We want to thank your daughter, Carolina, who was very helpful. We want thank to thank you our, so much. our pal, AJ, of course, who, who, who set this up, who said to me, hey, how about Stacey Keach? And I said, call him now. <laughs> and here you are. And I want to plug Survival Skills. Yes, Survival Skills, the new movie. Where can people find it? Uh, survival Skills, I think it has its own website. Survival it has its Skills, own website. Yes. A, I think a, so. A very an original black comedy. By a wonderful young director, yes. Uh-huh. And, and I started this interview calling you Casey. That's all right. And and the funny thing about that is before we got on the air, Frank said to me, okay, remember, it's Titus. Because he, he knew I was going to say Titus. <laughs> Christopher would be very upset with us. Oh, very. 
Yeah. It's also <laughs> nice that you gave the eulogy at Ken Titus's service. That's a, that's oh, a, that's you. also a, boy, what a part. You got to say anything you wanted to say in that part. Well, wasn't that a great part? Oh, I love that part. Yeah. What, what, a, how cathartic that must have been. Oh, it was great. To yeah. play that character. And again, character. Yeah, I think the 20th anniversary is available online. Okay. 20th anniversary of Titus. A, a, yeah. a very good show. We want to thank yeah. you, Stacy, for this. Thank and you, we guys. We want to thank you for staying up till 1130 at night. My pleasure. <laughs> and, and I've enjoyed this. I've enjoyed it. This, you've had a wonderful career. Thank you for entertaining thank us you. for decades. Thank you so much. And this has been Gilbert Gottfried's amazing Colossal Podcast with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre. And we've been talking to the great actor, Stacy Keach. What a treat for us, Stacy. Thank you for giving us this time and our listeners. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.